If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Ryan Dombrowski of Game Development Studio Dombrowski. I just wanted to thank Larry and Brandon for a great year of informational and inspirational podcasts. You helped make many boring days at my day job more enjoyable and have helped keep me motivated on my game development journey. Thanks, guys. Happy birthday, Game Dev Unchained. Or like we in Germany say, alles Gute zum Geburtstag. I'm Simon and I listen to your podcast almost since the project was born. If you are in Berlin someday, I would love to invite you to a beer and a pretzel. If you like beer or pretzels. And I wish you and your listeners many, many more awesome episodes. Have a nice day. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it feels so good to say that on this episode. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. And of course, I couldn't do it alone. We've come so far down this road. To my right, halfway down the block, my best friend, Mr. Brandon Pham. I am here again. Welcome to this week's episode. This is Brandon Pham, and I am so happy for you guys to finally make <laughs> it here. This is episode 52. That means one Woo. full year. One full year. They said we couldn't do it. Yes. And said we, it was going to be done. <laughs> and we're bringing in some friends, all right? So we're specifically bringing a lot of our guests from this past year ask them a question and just mostly seeing what they've been up to. Yeah. So we've got everyone in the studio and uh, we're going to bring them in one by one (laughs) to uh, ask them an updated question. And yeah, no, this is, this is legit. Like this is the first time ever we got this many people in one location to do this podcast. So you guys are in luck. This is going to be great. Yeah. And especially if they're uh, newcomers, right? If you haven't dug back to all our catalog of what Game Dev Unchained is about. This is probably a good, I would say, table of contents episode. We're going to reference certain episode, and if you like their answer, please go back and and listen to the full hour of them if you want to. All right. So, yeah, we're going to give you the podcast number, and we're going to ask the guests an updated question. So why don't we just get right into it, huh? All right. Let's go. So with each guest, we ask them three questions. The first question we ask is, you know, what have you been up to since the podcast that they were on? Uh, then we ask each guest a very specific question about the game industry that, you know, pertains to their career choice. And then lastly, we just ask them if, you know, they wanted to do any shout outs or promote anything specific. So the first guest that we had, uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to work with this guy. He's been a repeat guest and we would love to have him repeat again and again and again. Yeah. That is the one and only Mr. Ray Graham. Yes, Ray Graham joins us from episode 11, which we first delve into minorities in gaming and or game development specifically. And then episode 24, where we were negotiating salaries. So he's been on the podcast twice. And if you ever want to see Ray flare his nose, just ask him about 4K resolution. (laughs) So we're just going to go ahead and play his clip. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Raymond Graham, senior software engineer at Unity Technologies. I've been asked by the Game Dev Unchained guys to uh, answer some questions. Uh, And so here we go. Uh, The first question is, what have you been up to? While I'm currently still working at Unity, um, working with third-party devs, helping make uh, great Unity games. So that's that's ongoing and I'm having a blast doing it. And uh, the second question is, um, in 2005-ish, uh, it felt like normal maps took the gaming world by storm. They helped provide the, the unmatched uh, visual fidelity while helping to conserve the resources it would require to have actually produced that geometry. Um, do you see any new technologies or ideas on the horizon that may help the game industry in such a way again? Um, personally, I don't think, uh, you're going to see that big of a leap ever again, really. Um, it's going to be the, the incremental steps, but I, I think the big thing now and the, what, what we really should be focusing on is instability, aliasing, and, uh, and, uh, also, uh, shading a- aliasing, right? Uh, so to produce really rock solid images at 60 frames per second, use the extra power we have to really use the techniques that we know that can produce, uh, stable, stable images. Uh, so I think that is the way 
the, the Tantra. I think that will actually give us the next big, huge leap. Um, and you, if you mix all of that with like photogrammetry and stuff like that, you, that's going to be the next, the next, next step. Um, so there you go. Uh, and is there any shout outs or anything I will want to promote right now? Nothing other than, you know, Unity. I think it's, 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 uh, the engine to use if you're an indie dev for sure. And, uh, and it's just coming leaps and bounds over the years. So definitely, uh, check it out if you want to make a game. Take care. So as mentioned, Ray is over at Unity now. And, uh, the, the biggest upgrade that he's saying is not like anything normal or anything uh, crazy like that. He's mostly saying it's gonna be incremental, it's gonna be anti-aliasing, seeing resolution a little bit sharper, and uh, I'm very curious to see how we're gonna evolve from here on out. Like, seeing us not being able to see that jump, is it gonna affect people's perspective on how we're growing as an industry or not? To the regular consumer. Hmm. I mean, I guess we'll have to ask him at the year two episode. <laughs> Ray, thanks again for being a part of this. And thanks for answering one more question from us. We'll see you next time, buddy. Our next guest is Matt Brown, and he's from episode 44. And we mostly talked about volatility in the industry, surviving the industry, if we could. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump right into it. Hey, guys. Happy anniversary. Uh, and answer to your question, what needs to happen to make game developers feel more secure in a volatile environment like we have now? Uh, this is a complicated question. I think um, there are going to be a lot of answers that are good. Um, I think most importantly, everybody needs to plan better. And that means at the high level, plan for volatility. Um, and at the low level, uh, plan for uh, stability. Uh, don't plan to work weekends. You know, Value your life outside of work. Diversify your life. Uh, and also communication. Uh, everybody needs to communicate better. The uh, high level needs to, the management needs to communicate risks and expectations, and people at the low level need to notify when those expectations are unreasonable, uh, and so people can ad adjust schedules accordingly. Um, I'm talking about very specific things now, but in general, uh, do your art, get better, always be learning. Thanks again, you guys, and happy anniversary again. Take care. So yeah, I would agree. You know, if you have a focus on just getting better, being uh, more efficient, you should have a, a easier time in uh, you know a volatile work environment. So it's easy to say that for the employees, but definitely hit on some good points as far as what companies should be expecting to do to like not build an environment that you know puts people in such tense situations. And so I agree. And Matt, thanks for wishing us happy uh, happy birthday. Well, I guess that's happy yeah, birthday, right? Yeah, happy technically, birthday. happy birthday, happy anniversary, same thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, Matt Brown from episode 44 on volatility and uh, surviving it. So let's move on to the next guest. Our next guest is actually one of our, not one of them, but the first. The guest, very first. The very first guest of Game Dev Unchained, which is Kalen. And he is also joined with AJ, but Kalen's kind of covering both because they're obviously uh, working at Robot Pencil. If you are listening from episode two or episode 22, and uh, let's talk about how awesome they are. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, Larry and Brandon? Just wanted to say congratulations on your first year of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. I hope you have many more years of success and awesomeness to come in your future. So thank you guys for an awesome year. Really, really appreciate it. Um, what have we been up to? Um, well, uh, my name is Kalen Chalk, in case you guys don't know. Um, me and uh, Anthony Jones of Robot Pencil, we have been um, doing a lot of client work and uh, focusing more on our education um, outreach. That is uh, doing workshops and uh, handling our uh, our boot camp and things of that nature. So it's keeping us pretty busy. So um, overall, we are very, very blessed and very, very happy. And hopefully we'll be able to work on uh, more and more projects as the uh, as the time goes on. Uh, uh, one of the questions that you guys had for me uh, was, uh, in my experience, what's been the most common issue uh, with concepting for a client and, and how do we kind of overcome this issue? Um, well, luckily, we haven't really had that problem 
in a while, to be honest. Um, more so for the fact that if there are uh, clients that are very problematic, we personally just don't work with them. So we try to only work with a few clients that we know and trust um, that respect us, respect our creative um, skill um, and just respect our uh, our voice as an artist. So for the most part, whenever whenever we do, um, you know, work for clients, it's actually a very, very stress, stressless um, experience because they trust us. We trust them. Um, they they respect artistic opinion and to work with them is fun. And so we are very much about working with clients that we get along with, as opposed to trying to work with clients that will be a hassle. So, um, so I guess in, in terms of that, the answer is don't work with people that you don't get along with or that are kind of a headache. So I'm very much inclined to take less money and have no headaches than take a lot of money from a client, from a big client. But you know, they give me all sorts of trouble. They're very, very picky, very, very finicky. Um, but sometimes that can't be avoided. And, and if that if that happens, the best thing I can say is just communication. Um, the more you communicate, the more you guys talk, um, the more you guys can find that common ground. And, and that makes it easier for you to create a concept that is that nails what the client's looking for. Um, and in terms of uh, anything that we want to promote or shout out, uh, Robot Pencil will be in Italy. Uh, I'm pretty sure we got some, you guys got some uh, Italy fans on your podcast, but we're going to be in Italy on October 12th to the 14th. We're doing three workshops um, on the October 12th in Torino, October 13th in Genova, and uh, October 14th in Milano. Um, it's going to be me, Anthony Jones, Tyson Murphy, Alex Contad. Uh, Constad, sorry about that, and Danny Lavisi. So it's going to be quite a powerhouse lineup. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, never been to Italy, so uh, if you are, please come over and uh, come on about and hang out with us and show us your city because we're going to have a very, very good time. Um, in terms of you guys, uh, I'm just curious on what's going to be happening in the future for you guys in terms of your of the podcast. Where do you want to take it? Um, it'd be awesome to finally get, you know, some, uh, a video podcast of you guys, a vlog, you know, to see where you guys are doing, see all that kind of stuff. It's always good to see you guys in person on video. So hopefully that will, that will happen. But, um, I'm just curious to where that goes and, and curious on what you have, you, what you have in store for your, your game art, um, your game art online school and all that kind of good stuff. But anyways, I will let you guys go uh, again. I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, nothing but again, uh, success and happiness in the future. And I will see you guys when I see you. Okay. Robot pencil, Kalen chalk, Anthony Jones, sign out. Talk to you later. Hey, thanks a lot, Kalen for the well wishing both on what we're doing with GSO and the podcast game dev unchained. So everyone who is in Italy, that is interested in learning how to become awesome at concept art, you definitely need to go check out their workshop and, you know, support the guys at Robot Pencil. They're great dudes. And Kalen, you know, he hit the nail on the head. Like, you don't want to have headaches in your life. Get to the point where you can pick and choose where your money comes from because you will be much happier with less money and less headaches than you would taking, you know, some sort of giant contract and then, like, really regretting all the stuff that you have to do for that money. You know what I mean? So I understand, like, you want to have the right fit. You definitely want to have the right fit. What do you think, Brennan? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, one of the perks of working for yourself is that you're finally trying to be creative and have control of your life. So mm -hmm. if you're falling back into that hole and uh, kind of being a slave to your clients, it's uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I've already left the job that was, you know, high paying because <laughs> it wasn't working out for me. Yeah. Let's not go back into the rabbit hole. Uh, well, I mean, definitely we, Larry and I have big plans uh, for this next year. We can't go into it exactly yet, but yeah. uh, you guys will be the first to know. Yeah, definitely. So keep your eyes on the podcast, but we're definitely going to put way more focus and time into the website. So that's something that we're committing to for a year two is every single episode of the podcast is going to have great show notes. It's going to have screenshots or any media or footage that we can share. Sometimes we might even put download codes to the things that the guests were working on. Uh, and it should be a lot easier to find us on the web. You know, when people say, oh, I listen to the Game Dev Unchained podcast, right? Like I want that to be just something that people search for and they find exact the episode that the know they're looking for versus finding our site and then having to dig through to look for that specific episode right so, so we'll, go ahead if you love the episode and whatever platform that you're listening itunes soundcloud or whatever 
and you want more, uh, well, you would want to go to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com, starting with episode 52. Uh, so we have... <laughs> Or 53. Well, we'll start with 53. 53. This is a part-time thing for us, and we definitely want to put more time into it. But as you can see, Father Time has a limit. So we, too, have a limit. And uh, we uh, are going to put our efforts uh, going forth uh, to make this awesome. Yeah, so come check us out for the first guest of season two of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. You will see what we're talking about with the better show notes and, you know, more linkability, more searchability and just more news. You know, if you want to have a discussion with us about the podcast, come to the website. That's just how it's going to work. All right. And our next guest is one and only see his face everywhere mr vera swan another college friend of ours best friend if we get married well if i get married brandon and v will be standing right next to me so this guy is awesome and uh he came in early in our season and he shined some light on animating for games and movies so we had to bring him back for this episode and ask him just a couple more questions so here's v so what have i been up to uh since the last podcast i did with you guys i think i was in new zealand at the time um at Weta, and now I'm currently at Sony Pictures Imagework, and I'm actually doing what I set out to do, which was to work on my first feature animated movie, which is the Project Smurfs. Comparing your experience in making animation f- to making uh, animation for movies, which feel leaves you feeling more accomplished. Um, I think I mentioned this in the podcast, but the biggest difference is one is animated to camera, whereas the other one requires more uh, technicality to a lot of things. I mean, in movies, you also have some technical stuff, but you have a lot more help and it's uh, less demanding. Uh, You can cheat a lot more in movies for sure. I think that's uh, one of those things where not more accomplished than anything. I think I just still prefer doing movies just because it's a lot easier just to focus on just one camera. Whereas video games, you're you're more focused on, uh, again, like everything connecting and every angle has to be good, which taught me a lot, actually, when I was doing video games. It's But what I do enjoy about the movies, for me personally, is just the fact that it's on the big screen and being seen by millions of people and, and also more time to polish. And uh, the biggest... Oh, also another big difference is for video games, I had more freedom. I think uh, in movies, you obviously you have a director, a supervisor. It's just very... Once they have a uh, vision, you have to try to achieve what they want whereas the video games just for the most part I, I feel like I was able to have more input and you know that's always nice to have but either way I'm still joint. I'm still animating I can't I don't have no regrets or anything no regrets so one of the, my favorite things about re- having a recap episode such as this is V came on since episode 9 one of his biggest goals from then was uh, moving from a visual effects studio like ILM to a more animation studio. And he's done that recently, yep. right? He was able to do that. He made the jump. And him being able to share his knowledge about the biggest differences is an eye-opener for a lot of people. Uh, and so I- I'm-, I'm so happy for him. I'm looking forward to where else he can go. You know, he's reaching above the sky. What is that? So he's going for the stars. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing an amazing job, and I'm looking forward to what he produces over there. Yeah, definitely, V. Uh, personally, as one of your best friends, I want to shout out to you, buddy. Proud of you. Keep doing your thing. You're awesome. Believe in yourself, and just remember that life is like a circle. <laughs> All right. That's it. Our next guest comes back from episode 27 and he introduced us to the competitive gaming scene and how esports is changing every day so i'm looking forward to what he says about how it is now um all right so we're doing this remote like i'm on the train for you guys so this is a palmide and uh, I know I've been on the show before as, uh, as Dr. Stance. You guys know me. I'm a Wednesday Night Fights commentator for Stream 2. 
every Wednesday uh, on twitch.tv slash nicktanella and then my own channel twitch.tv slash Stance. so the question was um, with a little bit of background was League of Legends just promoted having over 100 million unique uh, users 100 million unique users so that's uh, that puts it I think as officially the most popular, yeah. most played, uh, non-mobile game there is. So my thoughts on it as an esports commentator, um, and I guess just player uh, in general. Um, well, I do. Th- I, I I think something like that should should put gaming and competitive gaming um, on on a greater uh, on a greater pedestal now, uh, right? I, I I feel like it should. Um, I mean, as a commentator, I, I think I, I'm excited by something like that. Even though I'm not a League of Legends player, I'm a Dota player. Um, but as as you know, a, just a fan of, of competitive gaming in general, I know those are the kind of numbers that that hook bigger companies. That hooks like the guys like Red Bull and Coca Cola and Geico. I mean, by the way, they have a gaming league too. <laughs> Geico Gaming. Um, uh, I just want to see more. I, I want to see more things like that because it's, uh, you know, it's sort of like a no-brainer. Okay, okay, MOBA, a MOBA got it. Like that's, that's that's easy. Like anything that a one-on-one, you know, one v one sort of game is going to draw, like a five v five, is just gonna that's gonna quintuple that. You know, that's that's at least nine more people playing. Um, but uh. Yeah, I just I want to see I want to see more growth like that. I want to see it hit more of the mainstream. You know, after coming from Evo and seeing that you know Mandalay sitting in a sold out Mandalay Bay arena, watching the stage, you know, as as competitors walk on and walk off to cheers and and you know it's being broadcast by ESPN and it's being projected on the big on the huge screen. Like I want to I want to see more of that. Yes, I do want to see more of that with fighting games specifically, but I want to see that on video games. You know. Um, South Korea, they just have like they. I think they just created a dedicated TV, television channel, like just just to competitive video gaming. Man, I want to see that here. There's no reason that it shouldn't. So if if Street Fighter is doing that with five thousand sold out, you know, and a hundred, I think a hundred thousand viewers, with one point four million copies sold, um, and they're doing that at Mandalay Bay Arena on ESPN two, I, I I think there's no reason that League of Legends should not inspire. Advertisers, promoters, sponsors, networks, and broadcasters to, to do the same. And we're arriving at Fullerton Station. So we won't miss our stop. All right. <laughs> yeah, definitely 150 million does make it probably the most supported game. I don't know. Maybe chess. If you take if you take all the people who have played it in all of over time, I think maybe chess might win. But no, definitely big shout out to Riot League of Legends. You guys are doing great work. I and mean, you stole all the gamers. You just took every single one. Uh, but as far as what Paul is saying, like yeah. I definitely think it's going to be a big thing for esports. It's just showing where the attention is, right? We're now seeing money follow that, right? Like Activision, we talked about this before, bought an esports channel. Vegas is trying to get esports and gaming into the fr- into the fold. I mean, it's yeah, it's going to get bigger. It's hands down. There's no yeah. way it can't. It's definitely it highlights another thing that um, is often overlooked. Like in China, there are over 200 million people that play online games. 200 million people. So that's pretty much everyone in the United States playing games uh, at a given time. You know, it's very impressive and it's very good for the game industry. And I think we're we're approaching this uh, turn where uh, it's just getting very popular. And it's great for game developers. It's great for gamers. It's great for anyone that has any interest in games. So... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how League of Legends is kind of leading the way for us, um, opening it up for, for other types of games. And uh, this is all good news for the industry. Yeah, definitely. Paul, thanks again for uh, you know handling business on the train. Uh, we appreciate you taking us along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> all, right. all right, man. Till next time, brother. And with us now in the studio, sitting right next to us, I swear, is... Uh, E. McNeil, he came uh, by way of episode 29, and we're, uh, I have 27 for Paul Mine. 29! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> How so, time flies. <laughs> two weeks away. Anyway, uh, so E. McNeil's with us right now. He's he's embarrassed that we messed up his episode. No, I'm just kidding. E. McNeil, he's going to answer a couple questions for us about uh, how he took Reddit by storm. That was his episode. So let's hear about what he's up to now and what's uh, what's going on. Hey, guys. Since we last spoke, I have been up to all sorts of things. I uh, I moved. I went on a trip to Scotland. I released a mobile game, uh, Oralux Constellations. You should download it. You should give it a five-star rating. And uh, I have started on a new VR project. And the twist to this one is that I am trying to get it done by the end of the year, which is just a crazy schedule. So I've just been trying to kick my productivity into high gear. So... You asked uh, when I feel like VR development is viable for indie developers and what needs to be in place. So for a few years, I think VR was really ripe for indie development because A, you had platforms that were actively supporting developers with hardware and funding and promotion and stuff like that. And then B, there wasn't a whole lot of competition, especially from the bigger companies. And that's still true to an extent, but it feels like it's becoming less and less true every day with this, this wonderful window that we had was kind of closing. So already it's harder for new VR games to stand out and get attention, and that's something I'm, I'm actively worrying about with my new project. But I think that's the same dilemma that indie games face on Steam and mobile and everywhere else too. So um, I think this transition we're seeing is more like a normalization than any sort of crash in the, the VR market. So I feel like it's the same advice you would give to any you know indie developer. Like if you can stay small and work cheap and try to do something to help make sure that your game stands out, um, then VR is still like a pretty good place. It's still pretty viable for indie developers, at least relative to the other options. And then lastly, um, for shout outs or things to promote, um, my games are Darknet and Tactera on VR, and again, just released on mobile, Oralux Constellations. It's like a really simple RTS game. It's a sequel to the game that launched my indie game career um, about five years ago or so, Oralux. And uh, it's good fun, so that's on iOS and Android. A-U-R-A-L-U-X. Uh, thanks. Hey, thank you, E. McNeil. Uh, he's so cool where he only needs a letter to go by. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, VR has exploded onto the scene. And usually with any new peripheral, any new type of device, uh, you have at least a one-year, two-year head start for indie developers to take advantage of. But I felt like VR just within a year or two just got bought out by Facebook. And so now everyone is making VR games. And his advice is very sound. Like, if you have a unique idea and you find an audience that likes your game uh, and kind of explode that that audience, you know? You just start really focusing on marketing those type of people to make sure those type of people who haven't heard your, of your game is finding your game and playing it, basically. So I think everything he's saying is amazing advice to get people started. Don't be so intimidated because you're not the first VR project out there, right? Be the most unique one in any way possible. Our next guest is from episode 30, Nelson Plume, and he covered about fitness in being a game developer. So he's just stopping by the studio saying hi, and so we're just going to jump right into the clip and listen to us listening to him saying hi. Hi, this is Nelson Plume, and I would like to congratulate you guys on your last episode of the year. Your podcast is very informative, and I'm glad that you guys are actually helping the community, inform the community about what it is to be a game developer and all our struggles and all our, our joys. Uh, so keep doing the great work that you guys are doing, and I hope to be in your podcast sometime soon. Bless you guys. All right. And next, uh, I definitely want to bring up uh, a guy who I've actually only met in person one time, but we kind of like he's an awesome dude. He's a great game designer. He's published two books on game designs that I have both of. One is called Level Up, The Guide to Great Video Games, and the other one is called Swipe This. Uh, 
Both of them are great books. I'm giving him a free plug right now because I like the guy. Uh, definitely uh, big involved in the game industry and, you know, giving back. Mr. Scott Rogers came through our podcast and blessed us with an hour's worth of discussion on how he helped develop Maximo while being an American working for a Japanese game developer in Japan. And so now he comes back to just give us a little bit more goodies. Hey, Brandon and Larry, this is Scott Rogers. Congratulations on the one-year anniversary of the Game Dev Unchained podcast. So what advice do I have for future game designers? Well, I could say buy my book Level Up, but instead I'll just say make sure you love the player. When you're designing a game, the game doesn't have to be about crushing them and destroying them. It's not game designer versus a player. Instead, you want to enable the player and allow them to have the most opportunities to have the most fun and to be the most successful they can in your game. It doesn't matter if it's a board game or a video game. Just make sure that you're giving the player a chance to succeed and they'll they'll love your game even more for it. Speaking of great games, check out my upcoming board game called Ray Guns and Rocket Ships from IDW Games. Should be out around early 2017. Well, guys, congratulations again on your anniversary, and I look forward to hearing more Game Dev Unchained podcast. Oh, thank you, Scott, for that awesome <laughs> message. Uh, I, I really do believe that anything when it comes to game design uh, doesn't have to be punishable, uh, making the game enjoyable for the player is great advice and i kind of miss those days sometimes i think we're now in the realm of permadeath we're now in the realm of like punishing any cheaters in the first ban uh which i do agree on but i wonder how far are we pushing the really dedicated away with these type of design Mm -hmm. choices so thank you, Scott. Next up, the designer's draft pick of the 2016. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the next guest is uh, comes to us by way of Blizzard Entertainment at the time. He worked on Diablo 3, and everyone was really excited about us interviewing this guy. Mr. Jay Wilson stopped by through the podcast studio, and he gave us almost two hours of content. It was like one of the longer episodes I remember. And we are so thankful. And this is not even sarcastic. It was so awesome to have had the opportunity to talk with you, Jay. And again, he blessed us. We reached out to him and asked him if he wanted to answer a couple more questions for this episode. And of course he said yes. So without further ado and any more embellishment, Mr. Jay Wilson. All right. Um, Hi, my name is Jay Wilson, uh, formerly uh, game director at Blizzard Entertainment, working on Diablo 3 and World of Warcraft. I don't know how much of an intro um, I need to do now. I have officially working um, as a self-employed writer, um, working on fiction novels. Um, And I am answering a series of questions um, for the um, Game Dev Unchanged podcast that they sent to me for their one-year anniversary. So let me get started. Um, so what have I been up to? Um, well, I left Blizzard Entertainment about um, three months ago, maybe a little less. And um, since then, I've moved from Orange County, where Blizzard is located, to Portland, Oregon, mostly because I love Portland, Oregon. Um, and I've been working on a new novel. The uh, novel is an urban fantasy book. Um, Lots of paranormal stuff, um, lots of mystery, um, and I am about, as of today, twenty six thousand words into a projected ninety to hundred thousand word book, and I, it's the first draft. So you tend to make, I don't know, anywhere between two and five, unless you're the guy who writes the Jack Reacher novels, and then you do one. But I am not the guy who does the Jack Reacher novels, so I expect to do several um so um the transition from writing into games it's actually going pretty well um i I was kind of concerned about a a focus which has actually not been a, a big issue um having worked in game development there's a lot of kind of creative focus that's needed um, you, know, you, you tend to work for hours and hours, like within a game engine, testing things out or, or tuning a, a device or writing, you know, design documents, things like that. 
Um, and um, I, you know, the the actual you know process of what you're doing is a little different, but the the focus required for it is very similar. And so I found that part to be um, fairly easy. Um, the it's a little in some ways more mentally taxing. You know, the you work for less time, but you know, so anywhere from I, I have some days where I can hit my daily goal within an hour to an hour and a half, and uh, other days it'll take three or four. And I'm not I'm not actually writing to a goal that I consider professional level yet. I'm working myself up to that. I'm doing about a thousand words a day, and I think more professional levels about two thousand for novel writing. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's a tiring. <laughs> Um, one to four hours of work, and and so um, you kind of you kind of finish it um, really wiped. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's been the kind of the transition um, in terms of doing. It. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, so I spent a lot of time kind of prepping, a lot of time writing notes, a lot of research. So. Um, it, it made that made it easy to, um, you know, you also do similar things in gaming, which are, feel very similar. Um, so, so yeah, it's not been, it's not been too bad. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what's going on with me. Um, there was a question of, do I have a shout out or anything I would like to promote? Um, no, not really. I don't have anything to sell yet. So once I have a book done, maybe I'll give you a call again. I'm going to Rose City Comic Con this weekend, but I imagine that by the time this is done, that will have passed. Um, so yeah, um, loving writing, loving Portland. Everything's going great with me. And um, um, congratulations on your one-year anniversary. Um, I really like the podcast. I think it fills a, a really important hole that um, I think will help a lot of people get into game development. So good work. Um, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, Jay, for coming back and talking to us. And congratulations on those 26,000 words that you have just completed. So Jay was a pretty special guest. Not only was he at Blizzard, but uh, even though his episode dealt with burnout and he switched his career to writing specifically, uh, I had the sense that it was mostly because he's done everything he wanted to accomplish within the game industry. And uh, he was just seeking a new passion, which is his old passion before he went into the game development. So congratulations on that. And man, tremendous focus on completing your 26,000 words. And I have no doubt that you're going to reach new heights with your new career path. Our next guest joins us from episode 48, Marcus Montgomery, where we talked about diversity in games. So Marcus joins us again to answer a couple more questions. This is Marcus Montgomery. Uh, and what have I been up to? Well, uh, we just finished up um, the showcase for Game Heads in Oakland. It was fantastic. All the students got a chance to show off their wares and all their hard work. I think it worked out really well for them. They got some great feedback. And now it's back to the grind and to decide what's the fate of their their projects. Um, outside of that, personally, I've been, uh, I work at Limbic Software. We just announced Zombie Gunship Inc. Um, and uh, we are really excited to see that develop and we're working hard towards getting it uh, out to the public really, really soon. What's one of the biggest successes for game heads right now? Uh, I think, well, uh, one of the key ones is they received um, some funding from the Echoing Green Foundation that was really big. So a lot of monetary support as well as um, guidance to build and grow the program. Um, but for me, I think the biggest success is just seeing the kids excited or the students excited about um, game development and seeing that there is potential to tell new stories. Um, and I think they are learning a lot and uh, have nothing but more room to grow. Um, I can't wait to see what they're gonna do next. 
uh, I want to shout out uh, my team at Limbic Software and our new release, which will be coming out soon, Zombie Gunship Inc. Um, look forward to the next coming months. And I also want to shout out WeAreGameDevs.com, my website that celebrates diversity within the game industry. Um, and questions for you guys. How do you guys stay relevant? How do you keep up on what's happening in the industry? What are the newest uh, trends within your uh, respective fields and game design and such? Like, are there Twitter, Twitter hashtags you follow? Are there particular blogs you like to frequent? Let us know what you do. Man, Marcus, it sounds like everything is going really well for you guys up there in Oakland. And thanks again for being a part of this podcast and helping us celebrate the first year of this awesomeness that we put out once a week on Tuesday morning for you guys for free. <laughs> uh, now that our plug is out of the way, uh, how do we stay relevant? I definitely know that we spend a lot of time surfing the web for articles, for news, for any sort of like links to something that may be a, a juicy story that we can provide our perspective on. You know, it's one thing to see a company make a big move and then say like, oh, we're so excited that we did X, Y, and Z. But then we can look at that same news and say, well, actually, like these are the things that it's going to cost or these are the things that are going to be affected. You know, we can because there are no paychecks coming to us from any sort of company, we're allowed to say whatever the hell we want and the food on our table doesn't get affected by it. Meaning our message is always going to be our message. So staying relevant and being relevant, I guess it's the mix of those two things. It's the fact that we look for great news and then we also are, you know, happy and willing to, you know, stick our necks out and say exactly how we feel about it. So I guess that's my answer. And again, Marcus, Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And I'm really excited about all the stuff that's happening for uh, everyone up in Oakland at uh, Game Heads. All right. And the next guest that we had come through our podcast from episode number eight and also episode 33, that was Rosie Katz. And she's one of the Call of Duty level designers that we work with. Uh, she was senior designer, actually, at the time, multiplayer team. And uh, she gave us some really good insight on, you know, the game industry from a female perspective as a developer. And then also, you know, telling stories of her successes and just things that happened as she was a level designer working on the Call of Duty series. And so she was nice enough to answer some more questions for free <laughs> in her free time for the game dev unchained podcast so let's go ahead and listen to what rosie had to say so since we last talked i've been um teaching uh game design at cogswell college in san jose um i've been teaching game design one which is a introduction to game design class um and then introduction to game production is a new class um i'm teaching online this semester um it's been really fun and the students are really awesome um, so my best advice for soon to, soon to be parents in the game development industry, um, is to make sure that you work for a place that has, um, childcare on site, um, or at least childcare facilities really close to, to work so that you can see your kid whenever you want. Um, especially if you're a mom who's breastfeeding, um, have being close to them is super important. Um, uh, also, um, how have I coped with these responsibilities of being a parent in the industry? Um, I haven't, haven't really stayed in the industry because, um, I had a really hard time finding childcare that I liked. And then, um, I also was really worried about, um, being away from my son for long periods of time. So, um, especially when they're really young, they're, they're, they just constantly need to be near you. So, um, yeah, so I had a really hard time with that and that's why I became a teacher and it's been working out well. And now that he's getting older and less attached, it's time for me to start venturing out a little more and getting back into the industry. Um, so yeah, I don't have any questions for you guys. I just hope you are all doing well. Okay, bye. Thank you, Rosie, for talking to us. And she brought up some really good points right there. Like finally... If you are becoming a parent, it's very difficult. She's talking about like having to breastfeed at the workplace. I have trouble finding a stall sometimes to go number two. So I can't even imagine having a place where she can dedicate, take care of her child. At the same time, especially being a new mother, 
that child needing to be near you all the time is very difficult to do if their place doesn't have childcare or anything of the sort. Uh, I remember also in the Bay Area, super expensive. So these are things that the tech industry is trying to tackle. I know Netflix started the whole thing where they gave new parents a year off without any dock in their re-employment. So uh, things are changing and uh, I'm so happy that Rosie found salvation in teaching, which I've always encouraged game developers to do. And I wish her the best of luck and we will probably have her back sometimes in the future, seeing that she's already been on twice. So third time's the charm, right? Definitely. Alden Fillion from episode 42 and episode 5, one of our early and original guests, is coming back to answer a few questions. He being an extraordinary environment art director slash futurist uh, artist of <laughs> everything. Hmm. Uh, he's coming back finally to talk to us again. So here he is. The biggest difference between uh, working on a game by yourself and working on a game with other people is that you don't have to sell anybody on your ideas. Traditionally, you have other people that have vested interest in the same project and you literally have to pitch your idea you know, with enthusiasm and, and sell people on your idea because you're essentially asking them to put in their time to work on whatever it is that you're pitching. When you're doing it for yourself, it literally goes from your creative idea into straight up the editor or the engine, which is awesome and, and somewhat of a, a time saver. Um, the cool part about that is that it's really conducive to the creative process. You know, there's an old saying that if you want the universe to laugh at you, go ahead and tell it your plans. Uh, I, I believe anything that's creative, whether it's writing a song or working in video games, uh, I, I think that all plans should be very loose and high level because once you get into the game and into the editor, you really do find out what's fun, what's not going to work. You can document all you want and write stuff on paper and put stuff on a graph but until you get your hands on a controller and actually put it into a game you'll never know uh, that it's fun or not which is you know the, the best part of working for yourself you literally get to go from your idea whatever it is you're thinking about you know you know you get to a point where you're really comfortable executing ideas because you know what's going to work and then you just put it into the editor again it's really conducive to the creative process and it's the enjoyable part about making a game so alan you definitely hit some great points there brother being your own man or, or woman with your own project you do have a lot of freedoms you do have a lot of responsibilities and hopefully that should be the drive it's like hey you know what i don't have to vet this idea with anybody i'm just going to put it in right maybe the scope of your game is a lot smaller than if you had three four five ten twenty two hundred people but it's your game, you know? So any of the people out there who want to develop their game or their idea, if they, you know, pick up an engine, learn some skills or are really crafty at kit bashing and using their credit card on the marketplace, you know, you can, you can actually make some pretty cool stuff. So I'm definitely excited to see what comes out of your diode project. I've been following it on Facebook and I, and you've just done so well with that. And it's, it's an inspiration, right? Like it's so much of an inspiration. I'm actually glad Brandon and I were just talking about this. We're happy that this was the last one in the list that came from the people who reached back out because it stands for what game dev unchained is right. Like Brandon, you want to jump in and yeah, I mean like one of, one of our original mission is like, you know, expanding the individual within the game development scene. Like Larry and I have worked on huge teams, like 300 plus teams before, and you kind of get lost. You kind of feel like your voice doesn't get through a lot of the meetings. Like I've had meetings upon meetings about things that people propose, and it's not really about the ideas being proposed. It's whether or not did I uh, did that other person get their opinion in that proposal. Mm -hmm. So. It gets lost, uh, and when it comes to creative output and you being a creative person, it affects you in a in a small and big way. It's like, how? Why am I here? Am I just you know? If I'm looking to my left and to my right, am I replaceable? And mm. most of the time, it's it's yes, you are. <laughs> you're very replaceable because when you're working on a huge team, you're you're meant to be a little cog so that the whole machine works. Otherwise, I, I, if everyone can have an opinion that counts in a 300 plus team, you'll never get anything done. 
you'll never get anything done. Yeah, it's there is there's sometimes you need to just make a call and then things need to get built. That's a lot easier to do with a smaller team. And I don't know the way that India is surging right now. I, I can definitely say, and I know that uh, E McNeil kind of hit on this, like the standout is very difficult right now. Yeah. You know, like getting some shine on your project is super competitive because everyone is doing all the traditional channels, right? Like everyone is trying to put up advertising. Everyone is trying to solicit demos on blogs. Everyone is trying to do, you know, uh, like, hey, review my game. I'm going to give away 50 free codes or whatever. Everyone's doing the YouTube. It's the people who are like, you know what? I'm going to make this game because I, I just believe in it and I, I know it's going to be a good game. And then maybe are a little crafty on the marketing. Hopefully they can find a little better success than everyone who's trying to just go through the front door, right? Yeah. I mean, I really do see it uh, like how that scene in Game of Thrones in the last season where Jon Snow just crawls out of that heap of bodies. Like, <laughs> it's... It's difficult, yes. You're you're competing with a lot of people, but I really do think the person that has the best marketing ability, the person with the best and unique game, does stand on top. Like you are, if you hit the nail on the head on all those departments that makes a game successful, which is being able to portray your idea, have a good idea, and execute it, then you will have a chance. Like people will hear of it. Like you will find an audience, or an audience will find your game and will help you support it. And you being yourself, right, you don't mm -hmm. have to feed that many people. Uh, it might be fine. And you'll yeah. be loving everything that you're doing. And everyone else who loves your game is supporting you the best way they can. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to seeing some really cool games come from the indie scene. And one of the reasons why is also because I feel like that gap between what I consider like a polished, high-level visual experience and what isn't, I feel like it's shrinking because the tools are getting so much better and so much easier. Like Epic, Unity, you know, Crytek are competing with each other to like, hey, we are the best turnkey solution for you. Whatever game needs you have, dream up anything, make it on our engine. And I'm seeing like AAA and I'm seeing indie and I'm seeing mid-level designers and game developers all using the same technology, right? Yeah. That's great for the games. That's also great for development if you know unreal 4 you can work at a indie studio you can work at a mid-level studio you can work at a triple a studio they're all using unreal 4 it's awesome yeah and i'm seeing a lot of small games i mean small developers making big games yeah. huge games that would take normally 300 plus people to make and they're making with yeah. say 15 people yeah. right? so uh, that gap is definitely getting smaller and uh if anything, I'm starting to see the benefits uh, of working on a smaller team uh, that has no limitations, which I thought were there before. Like, I feel like we're a few years away where a small group can make a Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as polished, but like the main yeah. strokes will yeah. be there. <laughs> the main strokes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying. It's when I look at what I thought was possible for game developers uh, 10 years ago, right? When you see like a top level PlayStation 2 game or a PlayStation game, you know, that team would not be able to do a top level PS4 game today. Like the team sizes have gone up, I don't know, three, four, five, six hundred percent easy, may even be more. I could be way off about that figure, you know? Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'll edit this part out. I'll okay. edit this part out. Yeah, I mean, there. If you have a great idea and you want to execute, if you just find the right people, like not being, not being, not having to be in those meetings, mm -hmm. not having to get your ideas approved, mm -hmm. not having to go through different people to make sure that everyone's okay with things going forward. Mm -hmm. I think it just balances itself out. Three years suddenly becomes, yeah, you know, shorter, but with lesser people and with the profits being better, like people can survive if it doesn't sell 18 million copies, the people can survive with 2 million copies. So and the math is balancing. Sorry. Out. What's interesting to me is like, 
I remember looking back a year ago when we started this podcast, right? Like we, we were on a mission. We were like, okay, you know what? This is what we are going to do. We're going to make this company. We're going to make this podcast and we're going to make our own games. And we, we just started doing it. It's like, I couldn't even believe, I couldn't even tell you like how scared or nervous I was a year ago thinking like, man, this is going to be a mistake. You know, if we start telling secrets about the game industry, we're going to get blackballed or <laughs> like our careers in jeopardy. No one's going to want to work with us. Yeah. But honestly, when I look now, we're a year in, we've obviously done a very professional job with the stories that we tell on the podcast. Uh the, there's a lot of opportunity out there that keeps me from saying like, oh, I'm glad I'm not at a desk job the same way I was with like all the restrictions and no ability to do anything outside of work that I wanted to do or no ability to creatively pursue my passion, right? Um, and if money was a worry or like if, man, we're, how are we going to keep the lights on? What if we quit and do this full time? There's investors. If you go to Gama Sutra today and you just look back over the last week, you're going to see like, hey, this company secured $25 million for VR. This company secured $6 million for this. This company secured $8 million for their game startup. It's like the investors are really excited right now about investing in small, great game developers, right? That's one. Kickstarter has supported the game development industry very well. You know, there's been games who will do a Kickstarter and get a million dollars, two million dollars, three million dollars, eight million dollars, right? Like that's that's happening. These are people who are circumventing the old method of let me ask my boss and see if it's okay for me to do this. Let me ask the publisher and see if it's okay for us to make this game. It's people saying, you know what? We believe in our product, we believe in our idea, we believe in ourselves, and we're gonna find resources out there to make this happen with us. And people are finding it, you know? If you are sitting at your desk right now, working a job that you don't like in the game industry for a boss or for bosses or for execs who are marginalizing your talents, who are taking advantage of your output and not matching that output with a financial uh, reciprocation, so to speak, you know, you should really question if that's what you wanna be doing. Don't make a dumb move and blame it on us. Like I quit before I had a plan and it's all game dev Unchained's fault. Like, don't do that. <laughs> but like, honestly, a year in from being away from the job that had me in captivity and now working for myself and working for a good company that is like encouraging the things that we're doing on the side, they're supportive of our game development needs and not just at work, but like, oh, you guys are making a game outside of work. That's really awesome. That's cool. Let us know if you need funding. Let us know if you want in like, you know, to talk about using X, Y, and Z from the office. Like I never expected to have that kind of response from a boss. It's like, Hey, you know, if this does really well, like I could probably leave this studio. That's what I'm thinking as they're talking and offering <laughs> stuff. Right. But like to them, it's like, man, we love the game industry. We want to see it do well. We don't want to stifle creativity. We don't want to suck the passion and soul out of people who love what they do. We want to inspire that growth. We want to nourish, you know, those gifts and talents that you have because you could potentially be a better employee for us. You could potentially be an ally or a partner in the future. Or if financially we work with you and you do some awesome thing, we can get a piece of that, which is good business for us. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, this year has been an incredible eye-opening experience for me. And if anyone out there is interested in pursuing a job or pursuing life on their own terms, I definitely suggest with my whole heart that you at least investigate the possibility. That's all I'll say. Just at least investigate the possibility because I am so happy right now. That's, yeah. that's, that's it for me. Well, I will ditto on that. <laughs> like this year has been incredible. Uh, and if anything, this podcast is about exploring what's out there. And, you know, if the time is right, if you want to quit cold turkey, all we ask is just make sure that you take the steps necessary to ensure your own success. So this podcast has always been dedicated to the person who is wanting a little bit more out of their professional experience, right? Outside of your nine to five. Yeah. So going forward the next year, we're looking into the future we're going to look into the dark corners before you and <laughs> yeah. we're going to tell you how it goes. So we have a very exciting year planned ahead and oh, we can't wait to share some more. 
And we thank you. Thank you, everyone who has been on this journey with us. And we are looking forward to everything that you guys are talking to us about. And we are looking forward to everything that the game industry has for us. So, yeah, I think if I can say one last thing, this next year is going to be about connections for us. We want to connect with the audience a whole lot more. Uh, So the website should definitely help us do that. We expect to see, you know, conversations going past the podcast point where like we're on the website, keeping in touch with people who are dropping comments or asking additional questions that we can answer or have the guests answer even after the podcast is long done. You know, we still keep open communication channels with a lot of people. And as you can see, right now they've already come back to answer our questions so you know maybe we might be able to get them to come back and answer more stuff in the future we'll see how it all goes i'm just excited about connecting with the audience connecting with other business partnerships connecting with other podcast owners you know we we're in this we're doing this it's a thing game dev unchained we are one year strong thank you so much for being a part of the ride and just tighten your seat belts put on your safety helmets because we're stepping on the gas now yeah (laughs) thank you so much all right i think that is awesome and this is kind of your thing larry so what you mean the part where i'm like hey i'm the only one talking i've got the microphone it's larry charles good night this is brandon fam thanks for joining us this week i'll see you guys next week and for the rest of the year see ya If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.